This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering firms. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, hello and welcome to your latest episode of the world's best construction podcast today's episode is sponsored by autodesk construction cloud i'm your host fred and as always i'm joined by liam marsh down in sydney australia and luke Bly over in essex how you doing lads yeah good thanks mate cold very it's got cold. Really cold isn't it? yeah obviously liam hasn't got the same problem because he's probably like oh it's baking down here but yeah it's freezing mate not good my bathroom floor was too cold today <laughs> nip in nip out sort of job you know yeah, how are you mate you all right that's where socks come in i'd recommend yeah, yeah. true touche not Get in the shower slippers. Though, mate you guys got slippers that's a very old man thing to have mate i wouldn't have slippers you should have slippers too cool. both of you guys are complaining about how cold your feet are mm. yeah but you live in sydney so you know back up i've got the fan it's... on me right now <laughs> that's crazy it's crazy <laughs> Oh dear, you know, all right, it's all good. It's January, lots of things happening, but it's a bit, you know, cold, dark. Looking forward to spring. Days are getting lighter here, so you know, well, here we are talking about the weather again. Mm. Uh, We're such old men, aren't we? <laughs> British people, it don't yeah. get dark at three, it gets dark at four now. Yeah, oh, hey. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> result seven result. hours of daylight. I was, um, I was on the old YouTube earlier, uh. And I saw this video, interesting video, about infrastructure that came up in Germany. And Germany apparently has the most amount of fake bus stops. Yeah? So purposely built fake bus stops. Can you imagine why? What's a fake bus stop? Mm. Uh, Mate, so literally a fake bus stop. So they build a bus stop and buses will never go to it. Any ideas of what it's for? Yeah, you can have to fill me in here. No, there are old people waiting at these bus stops, waiting for a bus that never arrives. Right, that is that is close to it, okay? So don't mean to sound a little bit morbid, but that was the reason, because the, the guy's going through this this video, and he's showing us videos of, uh, of all these different bus stops in Germany, and they look legit, and you're like, okay, so what, what's, what's, what's the reason here? Turns out they put them outside of old people's homes, particularly ones where there's a lot of people with Alzheimer's in them and it stops them from like going off. I think like a lady a few years ago, like froze to death after leaving a care home, like unauthorized. And um, this has like brought down cases like significantly because people just go out, wait at the bus stop and then usually just walk back into the building they came from. Goodness But me. there you go. That's, and again, I know it's a little bit morbid, but you know, quite interesting that there's mm, so many yeah. fake bus stops in germany yeah weird how many? Isn't it? do you know how many there are 
11 at the moment with more to come. <laughs> it's not a big number then. <laughs> that, I thought you still got like a couple of hundred. <laughs> yeah, more than the UK. <laughs> I thought you were going to say as well as to mess with the tourists or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which country has the second most fake bus stops in the world? So I don't know. Uh, who knows? If I had to take a wild guest, Austria. Because they always end up doing what Germany <laughs> Germany want anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Similar cultures. There so you go. And we know from previous quizzes that there's only uh, two escalators in Wyoming. So ah, true. Wow. Yeah, true. we do. I don't even reach people's lives for this podcast. You, know, you wouldn't get these kind yeah. of facts if you didn't listen to the world's best no. podcast. <laughs> it's the kind of insight you can't get anywhere else. How is January going down under, mate? Good over here, mate. It's the uh, obviously the opposite to you guys, and I'm I'm actually doing um dry January for the first time in my entire life. Ooh, how's it going? Wow, I wanted to do it in the in the best summer month of the year, January. <laughs> obviously, in in Oz. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. I'll see how we go. I'll check in with you guys at the end of the month. Let you know how I'm going. How have yeah. you interpreted that then? It's just like dry martini rather than. <laughs> other, rather than other spirits but i tell you what it's really really hard when you go out for lunch mm. and it's like 30 degrees and all you want to do is just have a beer or like a wine or something yeah mm. i can imagine that mm. what what drove you to do it just to challenge yourself to do it see if you could do it, or... like doing it mate. I was just like, yeah fair give it a go yeah fair play getting, to a, bit, you, getting a bit podgy a little bit of a little bit of a I didn't want to say a little it. bit of a belly. This guy, this guy. No, is I don't have a belly. This guy isn't like the last. That's <laughs> baiting Fred there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say it, mate. I'm glad you're on a diet. It's about time. <laughs> Liam Marsh is not like, the last person who's going to die. He's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guy's shredded. Anyway, mm-hmm. coming up this week, guys, we've got a very, very cool video that came out of the people name yesterday. Why India built the world's largest office. Why on earth would you build a massive office right now in the age of, uh, you know, working from home and reflexive working? But anyway, they've gone and built the world's largest office. Also in the news this week, we're looking at Dubai's super tall Mercedes-Benz skyscraper, Cambodia's vast new airport, and the whole episode, as ever, is going to be sprinkled with construction debate and analysis, along with some of your messages and the most poignant comments from the last week. Let's do it. Let's get cracking. Let's go. First of this week, we are talking about why India built the world's largest office, a very cool video that came out on the B1M yesterday. Now, in December 2023, the title of world's largest office was taken by this mammoth, mammoth new building in the Indian city of Surat, called the Surat Diamond Bourse, which has been nicely abbreviated to SDB. Some stats for you on this immense building, right? Thousands of offices, 10,000 square meters of restaurants and cafes, parking for 5,000 cars and 10,000 motorbikes, 131 elevators, nine courtyard gardens, retail outlets, conference halls, it is a 388 million US dollar project built across a 35-acre high-security compound. To give you a flair of the size, the Pentagon is about 6.5 million square feet. That's about 600,000 square meters. The SDB, this new building in Surat, India, is 7 million square feet, which is about 650,000 square meters. The Empire State Building, just to give you some, some references wherever you may be in your life, uh, the Empire State Building is about 2.7 million square meters, 
And Hyde Park, interestingly, London's Hyde Park, the biggest park in London, is 1.4 million square feet. Sorry, square feet. Empire State Building, 2.7 million square feet. Hmm. So this so is it's pretty big, big. It's pretty big. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't want to run the hoover around in here. Take, it would take you a while. <laughs> Sorry, the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, thank you. Around. Yeah, most people other, say, know what a hoover is, mate. But yeah, yeah but other, other vacuum cleaners <laughs> are available, not just the hoover. <laughs> is it news to you guys that like this place is such a big deal in the diamond is- industry? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, I didn't know this, this news right, to me. So, uh, the Surat, which is in the western state of Gujarat in India, is where ninety mm. percent of the world's diamonds are cut and polished. They get transported to Surat to be processed. Crazy. That's insane. I, I for some reason I always thought it was Antwerp. Mm. I don't know if it's because I've watched too many movies. No, I I think you're right, mate. Maybe they end up there after this. I mean, this is all we're not diamond experts, I suppose. But um, well. Maybe, no. maybe Fred is as a little side I'm not a, I'm not a purveyor of diamonds. Yeah. I, can, I can confirm that I <laughs> rarely do diamonds pass my hands these days. <laughs> Mostly cash in it. Or, uh, <laughs> now, the, the question this asks is, why on earth, in the age of remote flexible working, would you build an office this enormous? And it's not like this yeah. is the kind of industry where you can just say, I'm going to go and work from home. We're going to work for the local Starbucks. We're going to go and take a big bag of diamonds and go and process them in the local KFC. You know, you can't do that. Uh, so it's, it's the kind of place where everyone's got to go to the office. Now, this is a there's a there's a, obviously a bigger story. This is you might imagine. To explain why India have built an absolutely enormous building like this, you kind of need to understand a bit about how the Indian diamond industry works. So, as we've said, Surat is where ninety percent of the world's diamonds are cut and polished. Normally, under the sort of the current scenario, rough stones will arrive in Surat and are then processed in one of these thousands of small workshops that are spread out around the city. And there's some footage in the video of, of you know, many of these small workshops around the city where the stones are cut, polished, perfected. Most of those finished products are then collected by merchants who travel to Mumbai about 200 kilometers away, where the diamonds are then traded and then sent off around the world from Mumbai. It's not very efficient, and it would be better for everyone if the whole thing took place in one city, or, better than that, one massive building. And that (laughs) is why a group of nearly 5,000 of the city's diamond businesses all got together to form the SDB, or Surat Diamond Bourse. They've basically put India's entire diamond industry under one roof. That is, cutters and polishers from Surat. Merchants and traders from Mumbai, all in this enormous 7 million square foot building. 4,700 offices containing 67,000 people. It's it's hard to get across the scale of this building. And the fact they've built it in an area that's kind of like basically desert at the minute, there's not much else around it, makes it look even bigger in my mind. It's insane, right? Yeah, it is insane, mate. I mean, architecturally speaking... It's really impressive. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd say beautiful, but for what <laughs> for what they were going for, you know, they said, "Hey, look, we didn't want to do a skyscraper because we didn't want one person to be at the top and then another company to be at the bottom. We don't want to imply that there's hierarchy, right? Because we're a guild." It's a really interesting approach, mate, and to say you know to bounce off of what you were just saying um to kind of put all of the industry in one building that's either yeah really a good idea or it makes it really vulnerable 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, it's a bit odd to me that, what is it, 5,000? 5, 5,000 different groups agreed to this. Like, Yeah. That's yeah. wild. I, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, they talk a lot. We talked to the architect in the video, which is fantastic. The architect from Morphogenesis talks to us directly in the video, which is great. But I can't imagine what moving around this building is like. Like, does what mm-hmm. if you lose your access card? What if you, you know, mm. need to use the loo? Like, <laughs> what's the wayfinding like? They'd have, they'd have to have some um, intense security set up <clears throat> around the whole project, right? Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Because like, because you, you wouldn't be able to just <laughs> stroll into, you know, the left wing. Of the of the building, right? You can just, oh, I'm just going to go down there today. Like, surely you'd have yeah. to segregate it. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it's built. It's built in a very seemingly remote location, or build, albeit they're building a much bigger kind of master plan development around it with a you know, bigger diamond industry stuff going on in the years to come. But at the minute, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. There's no public transport, which is where this massive, like I say, massive, absolutely enormous car park comes from. Uh, 5,000 car parking spaces and 10,000 motorbikes. Just parking must be a right sod. But it's it's out in the middle of nowhere. It does look pretty fortified. Um, but I imagine, because because of the architecture, I imagine it's pretty localised. Like, you can only get to your bit. You can't go to the whole building. There must be a janitor or someone, you know, a caretaker, who's got a cleaner's key that does every room. Yeah, your master key. <laughs> <laughs> the master key. Getting copies of that passed around, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, but basically they adopted this kind of like because, and this is really interesting, as Luke was saying, because ASDB is arranged on the basis of a guild. Yeah. All the businesses have this equal status, as you said, Luke. So you can't have this hierarchy type system. So putting a skyscraper down where someone's got a higher floor than someone else wouldn't work because that creates this you know hierarchy feel. Also, to process uh, view diamonds, they need natural daylight. So every office in this massive building needs access to natural daylight. You can't just do a deep plant building. So to get around that, the architects adopted this fishbone technique where there's a 400-meter-long central spine with nine 15-story towers coming off of it. I mean, just just saying that is insane, right? Nine 15-story towers coming off this huge sort of central spine. So when you look at it from above, it does like a like a fishbone type plan. Hmm. Those towers was evenly spaced so that daylight could get into every single office, including the offices right at the bottom, right at the ground floor of those towers. Um, and the building spine very cleverly helps it cope with the extreme climate of Surat. So you've got a lot of high temperatures here, a lot of humidity. Each end of the spine, if you look at the plan in the video, flares out to the west and to the east to catch the prevailing winds and then funnel them through the complex, and that technique provides fifty percent of the building's cooling needs, which I think is pretty, pretty incredible. Because a big, big old building like this, you could easily air condition the entire thing, especially in Gujarat. Um, but yeah, to have to have passive cooling for fifty percent of it, I think is is awesome. What's also interesting is the way they brought the kind of the culture of diamond trading into a modern new building as well mm. so these communal spaces in the spine courtyard so that's the space in between each of these uh, enormous towers on each side of the spine uh they've created those as sort of communal areas where diamond traders can meet they can discuss they can broker their deals um and what i love as well is the architects set a target that any employee could reach their office within seven minutes of entering the gates that's impressive isn't it i feel like i want to test that seven minutes that's not long is it 
No. Oh. Isn't it like uh, vacuum post type things? You know, you, you put the letter in a tube and it gets whipped up somewhere. <laughs> like high polluter for people, you just get in, shut the door. Like one of those water park rides and just go. Maybe, maybe that time is uh, off peak hours. I can't imagine. Mm. If you've got 67,000 people split across the sections, seven minutes. Our office in London, mm. I walk. I literally walk in the front door, go through a security gate with my fob, call a lift, wait seven minutes for a lift. Yeah. Go upstairs, go through <laughs> another security if... fob door into our office. Like, you're lucky if it's seven minutes, mate. Lucky yeah. if the lift works to get you up there. Yeah. Sometimes they stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's impressive. Seven minutes. This is what yeah. makes me think it must be. And we do talk to the architect in the video. He talks obviously in big picture about the design, but it makes me think from a security perspective, each element of this must be pretty locked down. Each of these wings is its own separate mm. building and you don't yeah. get carte blanche to all of it. Which is what Liam was saying earlier about like accessing like certain parts of the building. And even with the car park, they must have allocated spaces, right? Because if you imagine You'd parking so. in like the wrong space. I'm like, oh, I've got to walk on your well, first they, day. They only well. have 15,000 car spaces, right? 5,000 cars, 10,000 motorbikes. <clears throat> yeah. So you're missing, what, 50? No. Oh, my mess is going to go. How do people get 52,000. Maybe there is How? some sort of secret public transport. I'm not getting here. There is, apparently. So I've done a little quick Google. Apparently, they do have like public transport, but it's more of like a bus system. I'm struggling to see if it's... If they've got like a metro, no, I don't think there's like a metro or anything. Oh, it's under construction. Yeah, because they're building a much bigger. This dream city is this seven square kilometer smart city, which is going to provide more housing and offices for the diamond industry. So there's less of a commute. Less of yeah, a way, less of a that way. would make <laughs> sense. That would make sense. <laughs> make, yeah. make your own like city around it. I would. I would actually like to visit. <laughs> this when it's fully operational and just see how functional it is and see how people get around i reckon it'd be quite interesting to actually walk around and just see these guys like trading sitting in the corner like like the guy says in the interview you know trading diamonds for you know in large, the garden sum of money. yeah, yeah the no, they he basically says they, they want to go and sit under a tree and do a deal under a tree and, and that's how but to bring to bring that historic culture out of a city center into a purpose-built building and still try and retain that culture yeah. is pretty incredible. As I say, it completed in December 23. So it'd be interesting to see how how it goes. I mean, talk about like in terms of the client, like you've got 5,000 different organizations you're trying to please and keep happy. And you're asking all those people, 67,000 people to work in a new building they haven't worked in before. That must mm. be a Daunting, nightmare. isn't it? It's daunting. It's, yeah. mm. it's pretty phenomenal that this actually got signed off obviously you know obviously working we work a lot with construction you know contractors tech brands and things like that and we know the process can be very slow um and approvals especially for us if we're working with a software brand and a contractor and a owner approvals processes when we collaborate on a piece of content can take ages heaps of people have different opinions so I can't believe you've had 5,000 different organizations actually get approval on the design of the building as well. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Oh. It's not just not just construction projects where it's like this, but it's also our video projects. It's sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's like day one, the Wi-Fi. Everyone sits down, logs into the Wi-Fi system. It must be a nightmare. <laughs> Things must slow right down. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad enough in my house. I have to have a, a bit of an internet blackout when we do these podcasts. 
It's a it's a mammoth project, isn't it? It, it is absolutely and huge. The pictures and the reason this is on the B1M is obviously the scale of it. It's the world's biggest office. It's a very unique, cleverly designed office that's bringing yeah. a disparate culture across. I say not not that the culture is disparate, but it's very dispersed out across two different cities, bringing it together into one modern building. And that building, when you see the images of it, is insane. It's absolutely enormous. It's it's almost up there with that. Uh, Mahaka Royal Clock Tower in the Abraj Al Bayt Towers in Saudi Arabia, and that you look at it, but you can't quite get your head around the scale of the thing. Mm. Not until you're there. Not until you're there, right in Mecca, yeah. looking at the. Yeah, no, I got. I you would know. imagine. I haven't been, but I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Um, yeah, mate. You you um you made some decent little comparisons in the video, right? Like Empire State Building and uh, Apple Park, right? You say, "Hey, why yep. didn't they build this as a donut?" Would and and in the in the video, you you make the point that with Apple Park, where the sun is basically always present, right, in a structure like that, is there an argument to be made that a design like this and Surat would have actually have been better and more efficient for a company like Apple than? Apple Park, let's build a huge ring donut in California and have a park in the middle. Is it more like beauty over function and it's, actually Surratt's done a more sensible design, would you say, no, maybe? Uh, no, I would say it's horses for courses. So this okay. this is the right horse on the right course here, because just to continue the metaphor, uh, because <laughs> you've got a design and orientation and daylighting that suits this specific industry. Uh, wow. But it is quite. It looks quite cellular, so it looks like each block, each tower is quite isolated. Whereas Apple is much more collaboration, continuity. The budget with Apple. I mean, I know this is the world's biggest office, it's not a cheap building, three hundred eighty-eight million dollars. But the budget with Apple is just completely different league. The finish, the mm. you know, that 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 Apple Park building. It's a bit, just one segment of it. If you take like one little cross section of it, it's a big building. It's wide, it's high, and it runs in a circle forever. It's it's pretty. You've not I've, seen it, have you? You're in person? No, but I find it, it quite. I, f- I find it quite intimidating. It's almost quite dark. Apple Park. I've actually got a friend, an online friend, who works at Apple Park, and I know that it is quite secretive. Yeah, they're not Have allowed seen- to talk a lot about that. No, and I, I wouldn't right. recommend this, but there's a there's a Netflix film a few years ago that came out called The Ring with Tom Hanks. It was absolutely oh. terrible. Yeah, not the best name film, but uh, it was absolutely <laughs> terrible. It was a Netflix movie. Uh, I was just awful. It was, it's up there with Virgin River, I think, in terms of quality. Like, Tom <laughs> Hanks, had, Tom Hanks had never made a bad movie until that. Ooh. I love that Virgin Rivers kind of become like a topic on on this podcast, something we always refer to. Not our know? fault. It's their production but, quality. It's not our fault. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'm thinking of long enough Netflix now. I've kind of we got we got it for the break, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if there's much decent stuff on here. Mm. Anyway, maybe mm. I need to put that money into uh, investing in diamonds from India or something. You know. <laughs> It'd be a better investment. Look forward to that conversation around our kitchen table. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of Netflix and put that nine ninety nine a month into diamonds. Well, it feels like well, it's more like seventeen quid a month now, isn't it? And uh, is it what are you pay for? You on the HD package? Yeah. 
What are you on? Do you get like the poverty little <laughs> like, advert version? <laughs> I pay nine ninety nine. Look, <laughs> logged into next door account probably. <laughs> that's cheap still, especially when you haven't got screen share. You know, it's a bit bit of a rip off. Better off with just YouTube and the B one M, mate. Right? Oh, it's a shameless plug here. Yeah. yeah, bring very it back. Nice. Bring, bring it, it back. back. Cheers, mate. This thing, as you can imagine, this uh, big old SDB in Surat took a long time to build. Uh, ground broke in December 2017. 6,000 people worked for four and a half years to construct it. They built a small town to house all the workers with dining facilities, daycare, a clinic, a school. They literally built like a mini yeah, mini town to make this project happen. Uh, and as I said, it's the first phase of a much bigger plan called Dream City is inspired uh seven kilometer seven square kilometer smart city it's gonna have yeah even more housing and offices for the diamond industry it's a beast of a building it's a cleverly designed building i've never seen anything like it on the b1m um yeah would you work here yeah if i'm getting paid well why not <laughs> diamond trader yeah <laughs> uh, leonardo dicaprio you know just come back from no, Blood Diamond reference. That's different. Yeah, different yeah, different Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. is that? Nah, it's not appropriate. That's why, that's why I'm really? like, that Diamond's got to answer it. I'm like, they, I'm yeah. pretty sure they reference that in it. I mean, it's yeah. a movie. Yeah. Maybe the dodgy diamonds go to Antwerp and like the the, the good diamonds go to Surat, maybe. Allegedly. You know? Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is we have no basis like, these allegations, dear lawyers. This is all news. Stop I, I, really, mouse. I really admire how much greenery there is on this but it's not it's not stupid like i could actually imagine people using these courtyards mm. right i could not think of anything worse than working at a building with sixty-seven thousand people <laughs> <laughs> i've been working remote by myself <laughs> for two years now <laughs> i would hate that oh, well, what's this gonna take me seven minutes to get out of my car and get to my desk <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> I'm not doing that. You know, if you did like seven and a half minutes or eight minutes, your boss would be like, um, where have you yeah. been? Yeah. What's going on? Where have you been, mate? <laughs> yeah, we, we clocked you coming in at nine. It's nine eleven. Like, where you been? Yeah. <laughs> Went to one of the many toilets, one of the many cafes. <laughs> anyway, guys, let us know what you think about the SDP, the Surat Diamond Boss, the biggest office in the world that's just been built over in India. Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. So today's episode is sponsored by Autodesk Construction Cloud. Dealing with miscommunication in construction can be challenging, and Autodesk Construction has come up with a humorous campaign about a mix-up between ducts, that is D-U-C-T-S, the kind of like ventilation ducts you might see above you in an office somewhere, and regular ducts, that is the yellow squeaky variety, although also the kind of duct you would find on a pond. So this campaign was inspired by a real-life miscommunication between ducks and ducks, and it shows how easily miscommunication can happen on the job site and how you can use Autodesk Construction Cloud technology to connect people, increase communication, and improve collaboration to avoid these kinds of mishaps on your projects. The Autodesk Construction Cloud platform helps all sizes of construction business manage projects more effectively from design through to handover, avoiding costly misunderstandings like this, basically helping you keep all your ducks in a row. You can learn more at the link down there in the podcast description or whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Uh, I was just wondering if there are any more examples, any more real-life examples out there that our listeners might want to share of miscommunication or misunderstandings 
on site. This isn't actually the first time we've done this ad read. You might remember we did it a few weeks back and we talked about some mix-ups that we had, but we want your mix-ups coming in as well, guys. Get them coming through to us over at podcast at the b1m.com. Have you got yourself in a muddle between ducks and ducks on a construction site? Have you mistook FM or facilities manager for Fred Mills? You know, get your stories coming in. <laughs> as I said, more information on Autodesk Construction Cloud's campaign and how you can use the Autodesk Construction Cloud platform to avoid mix-ups on your site down there at the link in the podcast description and a big thank you to Autodesk Construction Cloud for sponsoring today's episode. Also in the news this week, we're heading over to Dubai where Mercedes-Benz has announced plans to build a super tall residential skyscraper. This is the latest automotive brand to enter the real estate market after the likes of Bugatti, Aston Martin, Porsche, Bentley and many, many others all began work on their own skyscrapers. We did a video about this uh, a few, well, a couple months back now on the B1M, all about how these supercar brands are building their own buildings. Mercedes-Benz Places, which again is is all right name, does what it says on the tin, pretty straightforward building, uh, sees the Mercedes-Benz car giant team up with developer Bingatti to construct a 341-meter super tall tower in Dubai's downtown area. Uh, now, Bengasi is also currently working with the supercar manufacturer Bugatti on the 42-storey Bugatti residences elsewhere in Dubai. Further details on this are set to be announced uh, at a press event coming up later in January. I am registered for that, guys, so when more details break, I will let you know what comes through, what Mercedes-Benz unveil. Um, yeah, pretty dramatic-looking building. There's only one render so far. It looks pretty good. You've got the Mercedes-Benz logo kind of checkered across it. I've made that sound very cheesy. It's, it looks better than I've just described it, basically. Um, but it kind of fits with this ongoing trend of car manufacturers coming into the real estate market and the real estate market, in fairness, going and reaching out to, to car brands. And the idea of this is to kind of extend the reach of car brands from the streets into the homes of consumers and the idea is it kind of helps both the car manufacturers and the property developers stand out and tell more of a compelling, uh, more kind of engaging brand story in their increasingly crowded respective markets. So what do you think of this one? I like the, I like the look of the building. I'm not such a big fan of the uh, real estate car craze. <laughs> yeah, I agree, mate. Um, I do like the um, Mercedes logos in the side of the building. I think that looks really cool. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to press the button. I'm sorry. <laughs> Raising his um, Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like the um, the logos on the side of the building. I think they're, they're quite interesting. I, I do think it's more suited to like a Mercedes head office rather than like a residence. I think it's a bit like tacky having a Mercedes building, car buildings. I'm just, yeah. I don't think it's the crossover that we need. You know what is the, what is the crossover we need? The crossover that we need. Oh, mate. Um, good question. <laughs> I I don't think you really need like brands coming into like consumer brands coming into construction, residential towers, and things like that. I just don't think you really need no. it. Man. What I want to know is when is this trend going to come down to my market? You know, when's it going to be like a mid-size SUV? skyscraper when are we gonna get the skoda block <laughs> like a like a ladder yeah the ford residences the audi arena you know when's fred that mills, oh. the fred mills toyota corolla building 
<laughs> where's the Volvo? Where's the Volvo Dad Center? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I drive an Audi, just to clarify. I'm not. I'm not a Volvo Dad Ooh. just yet. Ooh. Audi, Audi, Audi. Yeah, um, Liam's BMW. That's why we're arch enemies. You see. Mm. Are you? Are you BMW? 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 I'm a Volks Volkswagen. And like the people's car. Where's your sort of uh, medium-sized hatchback? I know. I know. Does your Audi have a heads-up display, Fred? No. Ah, oh, missing out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. <laughs> I uh, I have virtual cockpit, which is pretty cool. But my uh, the car we hired in Switzerland when I was doing the Swiss Dam driving and filming, you may remember that James Bond sequence. That had heads-up display. It was very cool. Mate, it's the best. The yeah. best. Yeah. I, I would not buy... I went to buy an Audi. We were looking at upgrading to an Audi a couple of weeks ago, and they didn't have a uh, heads-up display, so I, didn't, so I didn't get it. Wow. That's first world problems right there, isn't it? One no defining way. factor. They didn't have it. Heads-up <laughs> display. I wonder if these in, uh, you know, in these Mercedes-Benz buildings, are they like, is there a heads-up display on the window? You know? Is oh, Mercedes that car to be doing buildings... It is coming down, isn't it? Mercedes yeah. is more in the league of BMW, Audi. Mm-hmm. It's more mid-range, isn't it? More affordable, Whereas obviously, right? Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. Bugatti, Aston Martin, Porsche, Bentley is mm. a much different echelon, isn't it? Yeah. Echelon. I kind of get it for those. For those brands, I get it. I still, I'm still not the biggest fan, but yeah. I think um, Liam hit the nail on the head for me that this is a little bit tacky, a little bit kitsch. And I think the logo... I'm not a fan, mate. The checkered logo. I just think, mate. See, I didn't notice it at first. Only, only people commented didn't? about it. I started. I, I saw it and went, "Oh yeah, that's actually the Mercedes Benz logo." I didn't. That didn't oh. occur to me straight away. I think it works mm. quite well. Where's Tesla? Where's the Tesla electric building? <laughs> hmm. That's the X HQ, isn't it? Yeah. You know, or the <laughs> Kennedy bright, Kennedy the Space Center. Center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway, nice looking building. More details coming soon. Um, We've got the classic. The one render that exists is a classic uh, Dubai render where you have this building positioned right next to the Burj Khalifa just to show you that it's in Dubai and looks very exciting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks good. More details to come, guys. And hopefully in time we will get the uh, the Ford, the Skoda, the Toyota, the Volvo. What, what, other, what other brands are missing? Volkswagen. Peugeot. Peugeot. The Kia. <laughs> the Kia Sportage yeah. high-rise <laughs> residences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, lots of extras, but the finish isn't that great. You know, good boot space, uh, lots of storage. Um, yeah. Anyway, more details on that coming soon. We will fill you in when they arrive. Now, swinging over to Cambodia, somewhere we don't always go on the B1M, where a vast, absolutely vast, new international airport is being constructed. This is Foster and Partners designed. It is the Techno International Airport near the country's capital city. First phase is due to open in 2025. We've got pictures up on our Instagram of construction works progressing. I mean, there's enormous construction works progressing, looking pretty much like the renders that have been put forward. Uh, Once operational, this is going to replace the city's main airport and become the new sort of main go-to airport in Cambodia. Um, We've talked before about how, uh, well, Foster and Partners building airports is controversial, but how you know airports fundamentally you're enabling a pretty unsustainable form of travel albeit the aviation industry is working on getting uh itself more environmentally friendly uh, worth saying that's a very long journey you know we've talked about sustainable fuels and stuff 
it's it's heading that way. It's got a very long way to go. But how airports themselves, the actual buildings themselves, are trying to be as sustainable as possible, and this one's very much in that camp. It's got a well sustainable designs throughout the structure. You've got a perforated roof that maximizes natural light while managing solar gain in Cambodia. You've got mature trees and planting throughout. You've got locally sourced materials and a massive on-site PV farm that generates all of the building's energy needs. So it's mostly solar-powered, this airport, which is pretty incredible. First phase is going to be able to welcome 13 million passengers, uh, but then it's going to expand over the next few years, well, for a few years, few decades, uh, up to 50 million passengers, ultimately, when all three phases are built. So, yeah, what do you reckon? Gorgeous, mate. Oh, Absolutely gorgeous. Um, seems to be a trend for like outdoor space recently. Have you noticed that? Yeah. To... Yeah, I like it. I really, really do like it. Um, yeah, there's not a lot wrong with it, mate. No, really, nice really comments. impressive. Foster and partners. Yeah, what are people? What are people saying? Are they liking it generally? Or yeah, a lot of love for this. Cannot wait. Such a beautiful airport. It's beautiful, yeah. wonderful. Hope to visit. Stunning. Very appealing. Yeah, variations on that. Basically, it's what we have the whole way down. Foster and Partners are good. An airport. They did Beijing Capital Airport. I've done a number of other airports over the years. Um, which as we spoke about a few weeks ago is where some controversy comes in because they're signed up to certain sustainability targets uh but also building designing airports mm. albeit as i said the buildings they're putting down are highly sustainable and this one's beautiful the renders are beautiful before we can see from construction images uh it is being built rather like the renders so yeah impressive stuff some people comment in saying this is a uh, a chinese funded project i don't it know is- yeah, so it's built by a Chinese construction company, like many right. things in Southeast Asia across right. Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Korea, uh, and Africa, as well we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is funded and built by a Chinese construction firm who then lease it back to the country to exercise some soft power. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Good design, though, Foster and Partners. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, You can't go wrong. With a bit of fostering partners. No, you can't, mate. You really, really can't. Yeah. Like it, mate. Good week. Good week for stuff. And no Saudi Arabia. Shock horror. No. Well, there's been there have been some Saudi Arabia announcements, but they've been a little bit mediocre. We've had just yet more luxury hotels that don't really look like much in deserts. And I'm just like, well, you know what? We're going to get a bit more variety in there now. There's a lot happening, as always happens this time of year. Things... You get architecture practices kind of either get stuff out before Christmas, so just before Christmas you get lots of stuff happening, then nothing happens, and then they come back in the new year and drop lots of cool stuff. Mm. So that's been happening as well. Um, mm. It's all going on. All going on. But yeah, get your comments coming in, guys. Let, you know, let us know what you think about the new Mercedes-Benz, sta- Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Maybe one day. That already exists, actually, doesn't it? Over in America somewhere. Let mm. us know what you think about the Mercedes-Benz skyscraper proposed in Dubai and Cambodia's new airport. Get your comments coming in, podcast at the b1m.com. Heading over to the messages, what have you got for us this week, Mr. Luke Bly? Right, we've got a few messages and a few emails, but we're only going to visit one today. This is from someone called Dart Justin, who's been listening to every episode and watching all the videos 
all the way from Japan, right? And he weighs in on our chat last week about visiting a country, right? You know, like Fred saying, oh, he's been to Canada. Yeah, and I was talking about Hong Kong. And he goes, my rule for when you do, when does it count that you've been to a country is the following. Did you use the local currency? Did you touch the physical ground, not an airport floor? And do you have a stamp in your passport? If all three, then yes. If yeah. not, is this then Justin it's a Dart? no-go. So you've never been to Hong Kong, mate? Oh, it's Justin Dart. Justin Dart, yeah. Justin <laughs> Dart, is, not Dart Justin, yeah. His uh, email when it comes in said Dart Justin, yeah, because I was like, who's this Dart guy? Yeah, what I was, I was about to say, yeah. what a cool name, Dart. Yeah. Yeah, he's like made that. up some arbitrary rules in his own head and then tried to apply them to the world and I just don't care. <laughs> just don't care. <laughs> Use the currency. Like, yeah, what? what I was I was about to say, what if you go to Zimbabwe, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. They ain't got a local currency, have they, anymore? Yeah, and everything's contactless now, so what do you mean by US currency? Order, mate. So That's absurd. What was the other mm. one? Touch the ground. Yeah, all right, fair yeah. enough. No, fair enough. Yeah. What's the third one? Stamp in your passport. What if I? What, what if you're in the EU? Yeah, we live in the Schengen area. Well, we used to live in the Schengen area. No, so. we've never lived in the Schengen area, have we? Oh, I don't know. Oh, this is a question for the quiz. Here's <laughs> a question for the quiz. <laughs> I thought we had free movement of people before Brexit, but because um, I never, I never got my passport stamped when I went to Europe, but now I do. When I went to Australia, by the way, they actually automated a lot of the uh, passport control system, so you didn't get a stamp. But because I'd been to Australia and I was like, I'm never coming here again because it's too far away. I want to actually get a bloody stamp. I went and sought out the desk and got a special city stamp. Yeah. You didn't just go through the ticket machine? (laughs) No, because I got a really good good passport. I've got really, I've got loads of stamps in my passport. And I was like, I'm not going to show them to. Who are you My gonna grandkids show them to? one day. My grandkids one day. I'm not, not going to come on this way and not get a stamp. You're going to be that grandparent. Look at this. Look at this thing from 60 years ago. The kids are going to be like, oh, granddad's gone crazy again. Talking about <laughs> the price of a pint of milk and his, his passport stamp collection. <laughs> Granddad Fred's boring me. Off to bed now, Granddad Fred. <laughs> Off to uh, bed. Uh, basically, thank Go you, to Justin. the bus stop outside the home where thank the buses you. never turn up. <laughs> it's been waiting there for days. <laughs> yeah. Full well, I mean, thank you thank you justin for your i don't know why i'm spending so much time on this thank you for your arbitrary lists you've made up off the top of your own head that counts it's a good list though to be fair to him nah. I, I think he's got no all right no my yeah. list is that if you if your body is physically on the ground within a national border then you're in the country oh. so <laughs> what, what so what countries have you been through the airport and you claim you've you claim that as oh, a many country. countries, mate. Many, many, many countries. Uh, Singapore, would Singapore, be one. Canada would be one. You know, have a lot of US states. Your, your favorite restaurant in Singapore? <laughs> McDonald's. Uh, like yeah, the, the Pret. It's Pret by gate. The, the Pret and Terminal B. Um, I, so it's only Canada and what was the other one I said? Sing- Singapore. Only Canada oh. and Singapore where I would where I would apply that rule. Mm. Uh, but then otherwise we're into quite a few US states I've had quite a few US states where I've transited through the airport and I've ticked the states on my Bean app no, oh you have? I have yeah because no. again I'm physically stood breathing the air in the state no, and using the toilet like that. it does work where are you what, now? what do you think these people where that go are around that I'm in Massachusetts like, I'm no, in Massachusetts no, no, you're oh, so, okay, so you're not okay so it's you're like not international waters, where are you mate? it's like international it's waters it's not like international where are you you can't leave 
Like you, yeah, you technically, like, you're not in the across, across, like cross the border of you. Technically, yeah, I, I agree. You're in transit, but you are physically in that country. But right you're not. At, yeah, but no, you're not true. actually. Okay, so if, if the CIA ring you up and mate, say, "Where are you right now? What country?" I, are you hang saying? on, I just want to go back. I can't cannot Ooh. believe you went through the physical. Uh, Visa customs thing when I was picking you up from the airport at eleven thirty on a Sunday night. Oh no no no! It was on the way. It was on the way back, mate. It's on the way oh, back. I was right. like, I was like I'm you really guys annoyed. Quick. Yeah, and I was really annoyed. I didn't get a stamp on the way in. I was like, oh, I can't leave without a stamp. So I, on the way through, I spoke to the guy. I was like, can I get my passport stamped? He's like, oh yeah, you got to go down to this desk down the end there. And I walked into this like this this sort of big holding area. All these security guards looking at me, and I was like, can I get a stamp? And he said, yeah. In a post-Brexit world, right, was it easier for you to go to Australia and go through customs as it was to some other EU places? I don't as know. As a Brit? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You've yeah, done it. Same. Well, I haven't, I haven't been to Australia before Brexit. No, yeah, but you can compare. It, it was like, the same. It's the same. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because so you've got a British... Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same. So it's like when I go to Europe pre-Brexit on my British passport, it's just you go through the um, ticket the machine, yeah. scan your passports, and that's the same as what you do in Oz for British people. Because it just yeah. gives you an automatic visa, right? Holiday visa for three months, I think. Australia's just really uptight about what food you're bringing in. They're like, <laughs> it's because people bring like live ducks and <laughs> things from overseas, like <laughs> sit on the border border patrol thing. Do you mean uh, like cracking ducks or ventilation ducks, mate? I just need to clarify. Ah, hey, hey. Oh, right. you're yes. welcome. Oh, desk construction cloud. Look at that. That's this what is you what you sponsor one of these episodes. Integrated. Just, Justin has single handedly just added like a segment to our show this week. So well yeah. done, mate. Well done, Justin from An Japan. irrelevant segment made up off the top of his own head, a sense of a set of arbitrary stupid rules that count no, for nothing. I think- I think Justin's onto something. Justin, let me know if you've got any tips for Japan, mate. Yeah. Well, this is send, ridiculous. Send that, there's Justin's links. rules. These are my rules. Well, if you're breathing the oxygen and using the loo, you've been. Yeah, the oxygen is the same true. everywhere around the planet. Everywhere, the world, mate. Same. Same Use the currency. Absolutely <laughs> absurd. <laughs> Had your passport stamps. Absurd. <laughs> Do you know what century we're in? Goodness yeah, me. Come on. Listen to the wireless. What else has he got? Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, guys, get your comments coming in over at podcast at the com. We promise that we won't uh, demolish every email we get coming in as long as they're nice and constructive. We appreciate that. Also, give us a review. Click that five-star button over on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast. We'd really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. I mixed up. I put too much kangaroo with my dog and he got real sick. <laughs> that is, again, the most... <laughs> more Australian. I know. <laughs> okay.